0: Welcome back to the third and final podcast for today. I'm your host, Sugin, from Sunway College. And uh, my partner here, John, that I've been working with.
1: Hi, I'm uh, I'm Jonathan. And I'm also one of the uh, Speak Up uh, local virtual volunteers. And I'm from IMU. And so, um, for today's podcast, we have invited two guest speakers with us today. So, it's uh, Alika and Joanne. And
2: uh, may I invite them to introduce themselves? Yep. Hi, my name is Alika. I'm a second year computer science student at Monash University, Malaysia.
3: Hi, I'm Joanne. I am also a second year student in computer science in Monash University, Malaysia. Cool.
1: cool All right. Cool. 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 Yeah. So um, maybe we could ask you a few questions just to you know, set the mood. Like, you know, what, what do you guys do during your free time? I know that you guys are... Uh, yeah. computer science mm-hmm. doing computer science and you, you get to do a lot of like computer stuff so like what uh, what else do you guys do?
3: What I like doing in my free time is sleep because <laughs> yeah, my,
1: my really hobby nice. is
3: sleeping yeah I love sleeping yeah. that's, that's just
1: I, I can relate can
0: relate uh, How about you Aleka? What, what do you like doing in your free time?
2: Uh, Yeah as much as I love naps uh, I try to be productive try to uh, expand my skills and uh because mm-hmm. there's yeah. just so much to learn. Yeah. Yeah, that's
0: cool. Cool. All right. You guys um,
2: like going out and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I used to play a lot of tennis, but uh, now that uh, there's MCO going on, uh, yeah. I don't really have that chance anymore. Yeah. I see. Cool,
0: cool. So All I right. think we, we can don't, we move don't... on to the first question. John, take it away. Yeah.
1: All right. So without further ado, let's get straight to business. So today we'll be discussing on issues pertaining to STEM education. <laughs> impact of coding on society and the future of AI. But before before that, let's go over briefly what we discussed in podcast one and two. So looking back at podcast one and two, we're gonna hear about the current issues pertaining to the education system, like the low emphasis of soft skill education, and like the insufficient provision of necessary educational and digital resources to uh, these underprivileged students, especially from rural areas. But nevertheless, it is indeed a blessing that uh, organizations such as iSEC is capable of uh, reaching out to these less fortunate to help them to alleviate their problems. And though it remains that some of these students have yet to receive uh, such benefits ever since the pandemic struck, uh, online learning has become the new normal as students all over have switched to virtual classrooms via Zoom or Teams. Uh, Do you think that uh, online teaching can really displace the traditional classroom setting? Uh, What are your thoughts, Joanne?
3: The answer to that will differ from person to person as different people have different preferences. One of the reasons that people might find the traditional classroom setting more effective is that there might be a lot more distractions if students were to attend classes in the comforts of their own homes. While self-disciplined students can keep themselves in check, those who are not as self-motivated may struggle to stay focused, especially if they are having classes one meter apart from their beds. It's hard to get teachers to, to for teachers to get students to turn on their mic, their cameras during class, and they will have no idea whether their students are actually paying attention or not. Besides, teachers often try to gauge whether students understand what they're being taught from their expressions, which is obviously not possible if teachers cannot even see their students' faces. A key difference between online classrooms and traditional classrooms lies in social interaction. Social learners can ask questions spontaneously and interact with the teachers in a more personal way in physical classes. They may also strike up discussion with their peers and develop a deeper understanding in the topic being taught. While this is not impossible in an online setting, it requires a little bit more initiation on the student's behalf, and they might be less inclined to do so. Sometimes the little bit of social interaction can help students be a little more motivated when dealing with their studies. That doesn't mean that online learning does not have its benefits. With online learning, students will be able to learn at their own pace with recorded lessons. Our attention spans are not that long and students will definitely miss out on information during one hour, two hour classes. With recorded classes, it puts less pressure on students to absorb everything in a short amount of time. Instead, they can watch the recordings over and over and over again until they fully understand everything. Besides, flexibility is a major pro for online classes. You can learn anywhere, anytime. Students can utilize the hours their minds are the most awake and learn then. If you are not a morning person like me, you can watch recordings of classes when your brain is the most active, helping you to schedule your day and learn the most effective way. This, of course, requires more discipline from the students in order to not lag behind. I guess it's clear that both modes of teaching or learning are effective in their own ways, and it all boils down to what you prefer. With that being said, high-performing students are more likely to perform well, be it in online classes or physical classes, but students who are already struggling seem to struggle a lot more in online classes. Therefore, the traditional classroom settings should be more effective in general, and it gives even the less motivated individuals a helpful nudge to stay on track.
0: All right. Thank, thanks, Joanne, for the very thoughtful response on uh, John's question. So uh, I'll I want to ask another question now. So just going off an article, I'm just going to read a summary. According to one article published by the Star Online in July 2019, it said that on in 2019, the previous year, only 44% of Malaysian students went the science stream compared to 48% in 2012. And as though it's not seems much, it's just 4%, but it represents an average reduction of 6,000 students a year. So Alika, if I may ask you, why in your opinion are students losing interest and what are the causes of them losing this interest in STEM education or STEM
2: subjects? Yeah, so this issue is not only something prevalent in Malaysia, but it's also happening in the US. And there are two main factors that influence uh, the career choices of youth in general. So the first one depends on whether they think they can succeed in their career or whether they think they're good enough. Uh, it certainly was the case for me as well growing up. Uh, I had always shied away from maths and science because it didn't feel like something I was good at at all. But what I was drawn to was things like sports, which I did feel capable in. I even remember priding myself on competing in age groups uh, two to three years older than me. and. The second factor is a bit more altruistic. It involves um, uh, it involves whether the career results in helping others. And that's why more teens were found to move away from STEM related careers and went towards public services uh, because they wanted a direct way of seeing how they can help out the community. So those are the reasons that relate to the individual person when choosing careers. But of course, there's other important uh, factors that we need to take into account. Uh, an important one being school. So school teachers actually have the highest responsibility of getting students interested in STEM as an early age as possible. But it can definitely be a challenge for schools to teach about topics on technology and engineering due to the cost of teaching it in a practical way. So such as the cost of computers, techno technological equipment, and just the general cost of electricity. And there lies the importance of this project of Speak Up, I believe. Uh, What Speak Up really tries to do is to minimize this negative impact on students of not being able to participate in these types of activities and provide them with some extracurricular activities related to tech that they may not normally get from school subjects. So STEM-related subjects can also be hard to teach when given a short time frame, putting more time pressure on students who might not always be up for the challenge, which also puts more stress on the school teachers. So school teachers have to be very careful in what types of topics they choose to teach and the schedule which the students will follow during the school. Then of course, uh, our parents play a highly important role and in, dire- in the direction we Take, especially starting from a young age. So, the expectations of us can definitely affect what career we choose to pursue in the future. Uh, and step careers are known to be male-dominated because of this reason, because of the, because of our ex, our parents' expectations. Uh, more often than not, parents will tend to think their daughters would prefer. Uh, the arts stream, the education, childcare, and healthcare stream, and think that their sons would prefer careers in technology and engineering. But I think it's getting a lot better now uh, when it comes to getting more women into STEM and uh, engineering. Uh, Society in general is also more accepting of that now. Uh, So as a quick recap, young people tend to choose careers that they think they can excel in and contribute contribute good to the society. So I think an important thing that schools can teach students is that learning is not just a destination, but a journey and that persistence is key. And that tech can be used in an infinite in infinite number of ways to help society. Uh, parents should also try to encourage their daughters as much as their sons to get into tech and yeah, I think Speak Up allows us to take one step closer to achieving goal.
1: I agree that, uh, you know, in, in our society, it's, uh, it has always been very, very diverse. And, you know, you get to see, like, uh, now, uh, you know, people with different talents, not simply just in just math and science. Right? They're able to do what they want, especially those who, uh, like, have this talent for tech as well. So um, uh, without further ado, so may I ask you like what do you think about the future prospect of coding? Like the increased uh, coding interest and the increased number of programmers, will it also generate a negative imbalance on work on work sectors in society? Uh, uh, Will it start getting very very competitive like how our current Asian society is where the parents are very kiasu over academics like triple science and mathematics? So do you think that it will happen for uh,
2: tech stuff. Um, well, to answer your last question first, and hopefully I understand what kiasu means. Uh, I can be a big banana about these things, but I think we will always have people who will be kiasu and it's definitely not just something prevalent in STEM, but instead of thinking them of as as um, something negative, uh, we can see them as people who really take pride in their work and the number of hours that they had to put in to achieve the things that they have, uh, the number of times they had to, say, skip on parties, the number of times they had to put their work ahead of uh, of their relationship with others. Uh, basically, those who had to make a lot of sacrifices to bring them so far ahead of the competition. Um, as for the other... Co- As for the other question, uh, usually when there is a high number of people moving to any particular field, there will be massive imbalances. And uh, usually that comes with negative consequences. But uh, if we're not talking about the case where, if everyone, every single one in Malaysia becomes tech experts and where there will be no farmers, no bankers, no accountants, no cooks, then I believe, and this is my opinion, uh, it'll be quite difficult to not be able to find a job in the tech industry due to the current state of uh, Malaysia specifically, and all the fields that, and subfields that we could still possibly possibly cover and have even yet to discover. Um, and in order for Malaysia to really compete against the most powerful countries in the world. Uh, the US, Russia, and China, Uh, we really need to advance our technology as quick as as possible. And one way to do that is to get as many uh, professionally professionally qualified tech-focused people to as many industries as we can and to cover all, all types of particular niches that we can possibly have. Also, as more and more people get into tech, Uh, the market will only become more competitive, pushing us to speed up the production of high quality technology, and hopefully uh, better the quality of life we may all be in. As much as I encourage people to get into tech, I encourage them to also learn about programming in general, which can elevate anyone's career really in whatever job they choose in the future. Uh, Programming allows us to automate a lot of the boring stuff Uh, boring stuff and basically make our work life more efficient uh, while we focus on more important things, which actually reminds me of the first job I ever had. It was a data entry job at a delivery service company, which required me to sometimes transfer physical documents up to Google Docs and spreadsheets. Uh, Some days I wish I had some sort of technology that could just scan through the physical papers and upload them onto the computer somehow. And this was actually something I saw the other day. Uh, I was kind of surprised to see that we actually do have the technology to do that. That we have the technology to to do anything we can dream of, really. And yeah, who knows what what we can achieve. So it's never too late to get into tech, I would say, and I would encourage all the listeners out there to learn more about tech, learn more about programming, and hopefully I'll see you out there. Yeah. All right,
0: uh, thank you. Thank you, Alika, for that very, very thoughtful and personal experience on why um, we should all try to like not have that Kiasu culture. So now I'm moving on to the second, the final question, sorry, that I'm around AI. I'm pretty sure you guys have read or watched movies like iRobot by Isaac Asimov or The Matrix, right? In terms of our real world situation right now, machines are taking over the world as we've seen in other job sectors. Our world is uncannily inching towards that from the way tech is rapidly advancing and the rise of artificial intelligence. In your opinion, Joanne, do you think that artificial intelligence will quench the human element in jobs of the future? Well, what do you think? Give your thoughts on it.
3: Well, before diving into the question, I'll start with explaining what AI actually is. Artificial intelligence, or AI, is a science of creating intelligent machines to give machines human-like intelligence and be able to do stuff like learn from examples and experience, recognize objects, make decisions, and others. AI does not equate to robots. AI-powered software does not necessarily come in the form of a robot. All applications of AI that we see now are categorized under narrow AI, which are AI systems that can do one task or a limited number of tasks only. Sure, the chess computer that beat the world chess champion is brilliant. But the only thing it can do is play chess. It is extremely hard to build AI systems with general intelligence to do everything a normal human could do. With current technology, we do not need to worry about rogue AI-powered robots trying to take over the world, like how it's portrayed in pop culture. Now, let's go back to the question, will AI quench the human element? In terms of job market, yes and no. There has been a lot of debate over whether AI will destroy the job market and leave people unemployed and helpless. To cut to the chase, it is true that millions of jobs are bound to be eliminated. Those working in customer service will be replaced by chat box. There is a factory in Japan with industrial robots building more industrial robots with nearly four staff to monitor their progress. Experts believe that certain professions ranging from healthcare to agriculture will be fully automated in the next five to 10 years. So there are certain jobs that are said to be AI proof, including those that require creation, conceptualization, complex strategic management, and feeling or interacting with passion, compassion and empathy. However, the AI revolution will certainly disrupt the job market as it is now, but other jobs will be created in the process. And just that they are different kinds of jobs, jobs that we can't even imagine of right now. If we look at the bright side, with repetitive jobs being automated, we can shift our attention to jobs where our efforts are the most needed, those which truly require the human touch. With progress comes change, and we'll just have to adapt. If we look at the question from another perspective, AI systems can diminish the human elements in terms of decision-making too, where human judgment is replaced by AI-made decisions. AI systems can be used in banks to determine your credit limit, in healthcare to recommend treatments for patients, in autonomous vehicles like self-driving cars, and the list goes on. And this is where the fear comes in. As this technology infiltrates every aspect of our lives and is involved in decision-making more and more, will it pose a threat to human agency? If we simply leave these decisions that affect our livelihoods up to AI systems, we are voluntarily giving up control over our lives. Replacing human judgment Replacing human judgment with AI-made decisions will weaken our decision-making skills in the name of convenience. An article from Pew Research Center neatly summarizes this in the following paragraph. Decision-making on key aspects of digital life is automatically ceded to code-driven black box tools. People lack input and do not learn the context about how the tools work. They sacrifice independence, privacy, and power over choice. We have no control over these processes. This effect will deepen as automated systems become more prevalent and complex. In short, AI systems can diminish the human elements in two ways, by eliminating jobs through automation, but more jobs will be created in the process, and by eliminating human judgment in the process of certain decision makings, which we should be wary of to prevent catastrophic failures.
0: Why? That was, that was a whole load of information, very informative. Thank you. Thank you, Joanne. So, all right. So that is all we have to talk about. It was a certain pleasure to have you guys on the podcast today. I learned a lot about how Malaysia as a whole, we need to have more techn- technological pros which are specialized to propel our country onto an international stage and be on power with them how coding has a very prevalent importance in our day and age, and how the importance of our educators towards the younger generation, the youth, the teachers, and especially the parents, how it affects the children's mindsets, and also how AI affects our lives as a whole, how it's going to seep into our lives, be it our healthcare, as Joanne said, or maybe our banking credentials and all that, right? So, John, what do you, what do you think? You want to you wanna give your thoughts too?
1: Yeah, it, it has definitely been a blast hosting this podcast. And thanks a lot to Joanne and Alika for, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, being with us, sharing us today. I surely have gained like a better insight on like coding and AI, especially how, you know, AI, uh, you know, it, it's so advanced right now. Uh, and it really is. Uh, displacing many jobs like it can potentially displace like many many of the jobs and but thankfully also AI will not completely uh, get rid of like the human race I don't think anyone has really like been able to create another human being that is made completely out of a robot yeah so (laughs) yeah (laughs) hopefully it doesn't
0: hopefully it doesn't come to that
1: hopefully it doesn't come to that yeah so um if uh does Joan and Alika do you want to share anything
2: yeah, before we wrap up. Um, not much. Uh, thank you, everyone who's uh, listened to this podcast. Uh, yeah. John, you want to say something?
3: Yeah, we, we hope that you have gained something from listening to this. Yep. all
0: right. Yeah, cool. Thank you, thank you. And with that being said, I hope our listeners have gained some knowledge from this podcast. And I hope you guys had a great time listening to all the episodes from one throughout to three. And I hope you just had an overall great time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.
2: Thanks for listening.